Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pierre, Pierre Pressure, Pressure Podcast. Podcast. I am the host of Pierre Pressure Podcast, Pierre de Gaillon. Thank you for listening to this show. This is a program where I interview musicians and talk to them about the intersection between music and politics and how that relates to their trajectory as artists and creative people. I've taken a few months hiatus because of coronavirus. I was trying to figure out how to continue this show, which I love doing because I love to meet interesting musicians in person and talk to them. That's no longer possible for the time being. So now I'm starting up again, interviewing people through Zoom, through the platforms that keep us connected. The first guest on this reboot is Bill Frizzell, the incredibly talented and prolific guitar player, musician, arranger, producer. Bill Frizzell is an incredible musician. He's a guitarist who started in the 1980s working with the label ECM, the jazz label, collaborating with John Zorn and Hal Wilner who tragically passed away this year as a result of the coronavirus, which is something we will talk about. Bill Frizzell went on to collaborate with a dizzying array of amazing musicians in many genres, spanning from jazz to folk to Americana to rock to pop to you name it. He's worked with incredible amounts of people in all different fields and always has a unique tone and a unique voice in music. He's also involved in film music and he's a producer and arranger. So it was such an honor to speak with him. We had a great conversation about some of his collaborations, his journey in music, and also about his idea of the concept of protest music. This is something I want to focus on in this podcast, the idea of protest music. What does it mean to musicians? Why is it important? Why should we make music that fuels the tradition of protest, dissent, speaking out, having a voice, being vocal about the things that we think are wrong in society. My understanding of protest music is that it started back in the 18th century in the colonial period during the American Revolution and, after, and its aftermath with slavery and people sang songs about abolition, poverty, the Civil War, among other subjects. In the 20th century, you had singers continuing to sing about civil liberties, civil rights, women's rights, economic injustice, politics, and war. And these traditions continue in the 21st century with musicians continuing to call out in song what they believe are the injustices of our system. I think it's really interesting that the protest music movement is generally linked to the left and progressive politics, and I'd like to explore that. I'm sure there are people who write music that maybe come from different different political leanings, but are they political about it? And how does it fit into the whole realm of protest music versus propaganda? Is it patriotic to voice dissent? I believe it is. For me personally, my exposure to what I would call protest music or music of dissent started when I was a little kid and my parents were playing Peter, Paul, and Mary songs on the stereo. Nice, pretty harmonies, beautiful songs, but they were covering songs of Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan and those songs had some pretty deep meaning, and they were kind of masquerading as beautiful pop songs, but they were actually really uh, protest songs. And then, of course, that led me to listen to Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, and Georges Brassens, who my father played constantly, who was a poet, singer, 
anarchist and political figure in France, even though, like Bob Dylan, he didn't choose to be, but his songs were taken up by that mantle. I now translate his songs into English and sing them with my project Bad Reputation. As I got older, I would say the songs of the Beatles definitely opened my mind. And then in 1983, my friend Pat Feller took me to see the Minutemen in Long Beach at the Golden Bear, and my whole perception of music and life was completely blown open and never the same again. And that led me to listen to Minor Threat and then Fugazi and a lot of the political punk rock bands. Then I got into hip hop, got into Public Enemy and NWA. And then, of course, the great Billy Bragg has always been there for me. And there are many, many other artists that I could name who have had a huge influence on me as far as the idea of voicing your dissent in song, male and female. But those are some of the main ones. One thing they all have in common for me is they know how to write a tune, they know how to spin a yarn, they know how to write a rhyme and do it with some humor and with a very strong rooting in the history of the U.S. and the world. So that's why I like political music. So that's one of the subjects that I wanted to take up with Mr. Bill Frizzell. We had a really fantastic conversation and I'm so thankful that he took the time to have this conversation with me and I thank Bill Morrison for introducing us. And before I get to my conversation with Bill Frizzell, I would like to play my own version of protest music, a song that I just wrote and recorded recently called How the Virus Can Unite Us. It's my attempt to process, synthesize, and speak out about the craziness that's going on in our political world and our world at large right now with the pandemic and with this unprecedented power grab and tweaking and destruction of democracy that's happening as I see it in our country, in our world right now. So please enjoy How the Virus Can Unite Us, followed by my conversation with Bill Frizzell. No more bloated elephant, no more Nazi president. Crush the lying coward fox and the greedy rabbit hawks. No more military dogs dressed in racist camouflage. We don't need your tanks and planes killing people in our name. Stealing money from the teachers justified by lying preachers. No more billion dollar toys for those bullet headed boys. Take a knee for planet earth. Nothing special about your birth. They were on the island first. Your tribe made it so much worse. Holding up a dusty book justifying what you took. But the people want it back step aside for red and black so we gotta help our mother squash the elephant and fox they want us to kill each other with their guns and with their pox give the people reparations undivide the separation make a place for scientific truth if it kills or if it saves you We 
safe from fratricide, uniformed in white pride, lying lions lie in wait, propping up a dying state. Hypocrites are using hate to jerk off the USA. Sing if you're a human being who's awake and who can see. Don't ever go back to sleep and wake up a slaughtered sheep. Better take it to the streets, be obnoxious or discreet. While dismantling the state, there is no more time to wait. Constitution of this nation needs corruption vaccination. Smash the elephant and fox and dismantle all the locks. We have all gone mad with virus, but this virus can unite us. No more tearing us apart, use the rage inside your heart. No more tearing us apart, use the love inside your heart. Give the people reparations, undivide the separations. Now's the time to stand and fight for truth. If it kills or if it saves you. Time to stand and fight for truth. If it kills or if it saves you. We all have the love inside us, and this virus can unite us. Everybody stand and fight for truth. If it kills or if it saves you. talk really slow i heard this interview that i did you know there's a lot i leave i leave a lot of pauses and yeah someone went way overboard recently there was an interview and someone they just chopped out all my natural spaces and i sounded like like i was on speed or you know, something <laughs> well i love the way you talk you know you do have a cadence that's relaxed let's put it that way but if you need to if you need to <laughs> tighten it up feel free well i don't want to cheat you know if that's how you talk that's how you talk so anyway bill frizzell thank you for talking to me on pr yeah, pressure, pressure podcast, podcast. Um, kind of rebooting my podcast after taking some time off uh to see if the world was going to continue to exist <laughs> after the last few months have been quite challenging for everyone so obviously we've been in this reality where we're in the pandemic where a lot of music, all music performance has sort of come to a grinding halt. How has that been for you as a, as a musician? Well, really, really a, a shock to yeah. my system, you know, cause it's uh, my whole life. It's been music has been, well, music has been my life. And for as far back as I can remember, I mean, I'm talking about long before I even played an instrument or anything. You know, when I was crawling around on the floor as a baby and hearing my mother singing or, or hmm. you know, by the time I got into school and you'd, I'd sing in a choir or we'd all have triangles or do something. And then eventually I 
was in the, you know, entered into the school music program. And what age was but, that when you started? Well, in actually, fourth, that was fourth grade. I remember they, well, even before that, they, we, it was just normal that there was a music class in the, you know, very early in elementary school, there was like a choir. And, and I remember this woman, Mrs. Joy was her name. And, you know, we'd have her name. It was just a, we'd sing or she'd pass around instruments for us to bang on or blow on or something. But, but in the fourth grade was when they came around and asked if you wanted to play an instrument. Mm. And I, that's where I started clarinet. Clarinet. And I, I played that all the way through, even into a couple of years of college. And oh wow! And you but, were in Baltimore in school, right? Or well, no, no. I or, I was born in Baltimore, mm. but very. Or I was just a few months old when my parents moved to Denver. So oh, right. De Denver's really my whole childhood was there. I see. But so what I was saying is, I, it, it's like. Uh, literally every day was you know you think it's it's about the interaction with with people right and that you know not, not more than a couple days would go by in my entire life where there wasn't some sort of you'd hear somebody singing a song or somebody right. walking down the street whistling or something going on and right. then in march it was like just bam stop cold you know so it's it's like you said a shock i mean it's it's a terrible thing to have to <laughs> have to endure when it's been part of your life all this time so are you figuring out ways to relate musically to the world while we're all in this lockdown well, yeah, i mean there, there's the little i guess i would say light or, or you know, I was always longing for, to have, I mean, I've been so lucky. That's the other thing. I, I was traveling constantly, you know, from really the late seventies until March 8th of this year, I was wow. on the road all wow. the time and yeah. playing all the time. And, you know, I, I'm so lucky to have that's what my life has been and I've gotten to just be playing all the time. What's interesting, I've, as you know, in researching for this interview, I've, I've watched some of your interviews and you definitely seem like the kind of person who, when someone's talking to you, you you'd rather be playing guitar. <laughs> you'd, rather be, you'd rather be relating to them through your instrument. Uh, maybe I'm making that up, but it seems like you're- No, no, that's where I feel the most right. comfortable. That's where right. I feel like what my true, what my voice is really right. comes through in that way. So. Right. So you started playing clarinet in fourth grade and you, and you kept it up through college. And where was college? The, well, I stayed Berkeley out. Or... Well, eventually, but I stayed yeah. in Colorado. I went to the University of Northern Colorado mm -hmm. 
for a couple of years. And that's where I knew, I mean, I, I had been playing guitar a couple of years after I started clar playing clarinet. I, you know, started playing guitar with my friends and, but that was, turned out to be what my true love was, you know, right. so, and by the time I got into college, I mean, I knew I was getting really serious about music, but that's where I really realized, man, I got to just, I just want to stick with the guitar. That's where my heart was at. And well, so it's so interesting that you started with clarinet because to me, like one of the most remarkable things about your playing is your tone, the way you, your tones, the way your guitar sounds, the sounds and the tones. And sometimes it's hard to even tell it's a guitar and there's, there is a kind of woodwind aspect to some of the tones you get. I mean, I could see how a clarinet, the sound of a clarinet sort of morphed yeah, yeah. into the way your guitar playing was. Yeah. I mean that I realized that maybe later, but it's definitely the thing with the breath and the, mm -hmm. I find myself, it was unconscious, you know, just, but all those years of playing that instrument. So when I'm playing a melody on the, guitar i'm i'm breathing there's mm -hmm. like almost like a pressure that i'm putting in my body with the breath that i think that carried over from all the conditioning with the clarinet that's so interesting and also the fact that you do have sort of a slow relaxed cadence in your speech and there's you know it's it's like the guitar is an extension of that almost because obviously you can play fast you can play slow you can play loud and you can play quiet but there's this zen like timing to it all in a way well yeah I, that's yeah. The, i i think with music it's really everyone plays the way they talk really mm, you know, interesting the, yeah well so i've been so fascinated by your tones and i in watching some of your videos i the the camera guys are always uh, focused on your hands, which I, is understandable, but I'm like, I want to see the pedals. What's going on with the effects? Because <laughs> I'm a guitar player as well, and I'm there's just this magical stuff happening tone-wise with your effects where I just want to I want to know what's going on. You don't you don't have to give away your secrets, but <laughs> no, no, I, I got no secret. I love to nerd out on that stuff, and I actually want went on one of your videos, and I I paused the one moment where the camera guy like looked at your effects and i saw a line six there and i saw a freeze pedal so those yeah, two that's... guys <laughs> and then i don't know there was some other stuff going on but it's just beautiful the tones you yeah get. well yeah that's that definitely that line six i'll use that for looping things mm -hmm. or you know a little extra sustain or something y yeah and, and the the freeze pedal you mentioned that when they came out with that, that was so amazing. I, I love that. I've yeah. been waiting for the, where you can actually. So I actually pulls. didn't even know about it until I started watching your videos. And I was like, what is, what is happening? And I saw that freeze and I was looking into it. I'm like, that's, oh, that's <laughs> cool. Cause you can hold a note or a chord or whatever. Yeah. And forever. then play something else on yeah. top of it. Yeah. That's great. I've always been jealous of piano players, you know, where they can, play a chord and then mm -hmm. play something else. And I mean, you can do that. That's the idea you're trying to get at on the guitar, but that pedal definitely helps to. Well, I'd say you, you're one of the innovators for sure of that, that painting, painting with colors that are 
swooping over each other, you know, it's, it's amazing. And so that, that brings me to my next question, which is when you were growing up, when you first picked up the guitar, I imagine you had some guitar player, did you have some guitar player uh, heroes or, or, you know, kind of influences? just the obvious everyone that's my age at a certain you know I, I was born in 1951 so when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show that was but it was happening before that even um, that was I was in seventh grade when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show yeah and the 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 energy was building up already there was surf music and right all Dick this stuff Dale and yeah yeah and, and that was already firing up my imagination and even just looking at get it was all mixed in with hot rods and rocket ships and right cuz like, the the object itself the guitar it, is like such yeah. a space age like beautiful right so i was it was like you know, people's imaginations were getting fired up anyway. And then, but it seemed like that it was really, and everybody talks about this, but being my age at that moment when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show, I remember seeing my, my parents had, I can't remember if it was like a time magazine or life magazine. And there was some article about this, band from England <laughs> and it had mm. a picture of these guys with their what seemed like such radical hairdos mm. and all that stuff at the time and they were just and I looked at that and I thought wow that's pretty wild and it looks like they're going to be on TV next mm. week or whatever it was and then but it seemed like from that at the day after <laughs> they were on TV it's like everybody went and got a guitar you know huh. it's like it just, it wasn't like I was doing something special. It was really this mass. Well, so do you, did you get a guitar at that time? Or like, did you already yeah. have an electric guitar? I mean, well, then I think around then it was my friend across the street. I think I, I by then I had this kind of cheap acoustic guitar. Mm. And the first guitar I played was, you know, a friend across the street. Acoustic had, or an electric? Yeah, acoustic, yeah. And okay. Then, so it was, a, it was maybe a year, it was 65, the summer of 65, I, I got a paper route and delivered papers and saved up my money and got my first electric guitar. What was it? There was a Fender Mustang. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's, that's a legit guitar. Do you still have well, it? I don't, but I, oh. I couldn't resist. It was a few years ago. I was in Buffalo, New York and in the shop and they had one that looked, it was exactly the same year and same. Oh, so I got, beautiful. I, I had to, you had to buy one. Yeah. Oh, good. Of, you're more of like a Strat player, but Mustang isn't. Well, or Telly. Telly, right. I, I like, I really, I play Telecasters a lot because yeah. they're so easy to carry around, <laughs> but 
They have um, a beautiful tone, but they're not too. Yeah, high. and I I just love. But if you saw, <laughs> it's I have piles of guitars over. I'm here. sure, but you're more of a Fender. Like yeah, a, yeah. Well, I don't but know. Then I've I mean, played I've played arch top guitars too, mm -hmm. and yeah, I really like switching around. So I mean, so the Beatles like. The idea wasn't necessarily, I want to play a uh, Rickenbacker like George or what, or no, what was he playing? He was playing a Gretsch, I think, or something. He, I'm yeah. to here again, but it wasn't like, I have to have that guitar. It was more like normal human beings can, well, maybe they weren't normal. They were, they were superhuman, I guess. Well, no, they they were gods. Like, yeah, definitely. Gods. But you're like, maybe we can approach that godhood by buying one of these machines that they're playing. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, it was just so cool to see. A, and it was a band. Like when you think. Yeah. I don't. I can't remember that many. I don't know. You know, they were like this, an actual band where they were right. the ones playing. They weren't like right. one. And they wrote the songs too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a different thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, did that? Did you start playing with other people then, playing guitar? As as soon as I got that electric guitar, I think within a couple weeks, you know, my friend got one and. A, another friend across the street got some drums and we learned about three songs. And then within a couple of weeks, we we're playing for parties in somebody's basement or something. And that's kind of, again, it's like, that's pretty much. Did that project have I've a done. name? Did that project, that band Oh yeah, we had an, I what wish was it called? the first thing was called the weeds. Okay. Not bad. eh? That's not bad. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad at all. That's great. We got cards printed up and stuff. I'm trying to um, explore the idea of protest music on this uh, podcast. Um, and so as you generously have agreed to sort of go along with that, you, you <laughs> gave me uh, some names of some of your recordings that are kind of fall in that world. We talked about some Bob Dylan songs that you have covered. There's Masters of War, which is a really beautiful rendition that you've done.
Yeah, so I love that version of Masters of War. And so that brings me to the sort of the idea of protest music and what that might mean for you or what some of these songs that have some kind of political affiliation, how does that resonate for you? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, we, we were talking about the, the Beatles around that the same time, I think, very early 60s. Again, I'm coming into being a teenager, and I I had this English teacher in junior high school, or I don't know what they call it now, middle school. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade, and my English teacher was really into Bob Dylan. <laughs> and I think mm. I, I want to write this guy. I was just thinking about the other day. It's amazing. That's where I first heard Bob Dylan. He was he would play us the very first Bob Dylan records in class and say, let's check this out. This is, you know, he was talking about it in the context of poetry. And so this is when I'm, how old was I? 13 or something. Oh, wow. mid-60s you know as you become more aware of what's going on in the world those songs just you'd latch on to those songs as a life raft you know well what's interesting about Bob Dylan is he never wanted that right he was kind of irritated by the fact that his songs contain such a life of their own in the in a political sense or at least he says that but uh that doesn't matter it's not really up to him right the songs are out in the in the air and you and people grab them and they're yeah i they mean it really intense meaning there was so many of those songs that there'd be something going on in my i'd be troubled with something and there would be a some phrase from his song would go through my mind while i was i'm talking about when i was young you know don't criticize what you can't understand or something right. you know yeah. all those songs they they would just speak to you and
you 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 discover the songs and then it's incredible how they stay relevant even songs that were written long before bob dylan you know yeah uh the whatever woody guthrie songs or or even further back to Stephen like, Foster, Hard Times, was written like more than 100 years ago. Or, yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this recently, how there's this, there's a very clear kind of lineation of what's considered protest music. I was trying to figure out why is it that, why is it that most musicians I know lean towards the left <laughs> they lean towards the progressive and the liberal i mean you don't hear a lot of protest music coming from the right uh, i don't even know what that would sound like maybe i mean i don't know what i like for me <laughs> that's a difficult question i mean music for me again music my whole life has been a a model for how human beings can be together i mean yeah. there's the music itself there's the mechanics of it you know harmony and rhythm and conflict and resolution and yeah. melody and tension and release and there's like a just that if you if you look at the rules of music that's how people can work together. So you study music right. and then I, I don't see how it's possible that <laughs> right. if anybody listens to music that they could, uh, or, or the, and then, you know, there's the music community, which always I felt welcomed and there's the community of musicians that for for my whole life you know of course there's whatever there's a struggle with civil rights and there's this and that but somehow it seemed like within the music community these things were being worked out at least that was my experience and so if you're going to play music <laughs> you have to learn I, how to work with other people and I, I think yeah and, and more cooperative way and there's like the basic, you know, true and fault, what is true and what's honest. And well, you know what I'm saying. I do. I do. It's it, And it's obviously like everything is magnified and inflamed to the thousandth degree right now in times that we're living in now with truth, especially in, in short supply. Um, but I want to ask, so a lot of your musical output is is instrumental and doesn't have vocals not all, not all of it but a lot of it. i would say the majority right You're just, yeah and um so you're 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 making a statement without talking or singing in a lot of ways and so does can music make a statement without lyrics oh yeah Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm thinking about the, uh, like, we were talking about the breath with the clarinet or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's the same thing when I'm, a lot of these songs, a lot of the songs that I, 
might choose to play, I'm, I'm hearing the sound of a voice in my head. Like if I play, a change is going to come. Sam Cooke, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the sound of his voice. Aretha Franklin or yeah I'm and, and that so there's the sound the sound itself of a voice that impacts the way I'll play a melody but then also the words I'm not saying I know the word all the words to all the songs I play but a lot of them the words are pretty much in there and right so that it just adds extra even though it's instrumental it's it adds this some kind of power, I think, with what in right. what you're playing. Yeah. Well, I want to kind of go back to your career again, and like you've collaborated with so many amazing people throughout your career. Um, earlier on, you were part of the ECM label and got involved with John Zorn. I don't know the exact chronology of things, but John Zorn and Naked City was something you were doing pretty early on right in the 80s yeah sort of mid or i met zorn in i think it was like 83 or 84 or something like that and we're still doing stuff i'll be doing something with him in a week or so so oh really what what, what are you guys doing oh are you playing uh, a bang on a well not rifle? no it's not a it's just a, a recording oh recording thing. oh cool well, when you, when you watch the early stuff, and I guess throughout John Zorn's career, his his compositions, I, I've heard, or his written scores or whatever, there's a lot of symbols and a lot of hand gestures, and they're like, it's not all written notation, right? There's a lot of well, following. There's, there's all kinds of different things. Yeah. I mean, some of the, the first things I did with him, mm. the very first things I did with him, they were called, he called them, game pieces they're just like uh ways for systems for music like it was a piece a way for musicians to get together and improvise together according to a set of rules and yeah so there 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 wasn't really any notes on the written notes on the paper it was more about the following these different and he was the the ringmaster giving you cues usually in some way. or or sometimes he would have someone else do it too like there would be a prompter that oh. would they would have sometimes a lot of times they were with hold up a card that would have a symbol on it that would mean could be anything you know play play or stop playing or play with somebody else or play fast or play slow or play loud or all these different 
play the lowest note on your guitar or play the or go yeah, or something, something something crazy yeah what a ride to get into that what it was at the beginning and then i mean now the things i've been doing with them are more every you know it's the notes are <laughs> all written out okay but it's a stuff. huge range of stuff that he's done and a huge range of stuff that i've done with him my brother-in-law gerald wanted to know ask you if you remembered performing on night music in the mid 80s oh, yeah incredible <laughs> yeah so that was a great show such a cool amazing weird little happening and so how did that come about what was that performance do you remember well that was um my friend hal wilner if we're gonna get dark here again sure. during this time he passed away early in the this pandemic from oh, really? covid oh no way yeah he's one of my closest friends and I'm sorry to hear that you know i worked with him really it was like 40 years of doing the, i'm uh, some of the very very first recordings i ever did i play on his first this tribute album he did to nina rota that was in 1981 i that's where we first met and mm. that was the beginning of this 40 year relationship you know I, with him i i played with the, we did an allen ginsberg record a marian faithful record meaning uh, those like you backed up ginsberg's he, poetry and he, yeah albums oh, wow. that that hal produced <clears throat> and i wow. so there's I can't even, it's just almost too massive to even list all the people I met and projects I did with him over this four year. I mean, movie soundtracks and yeah, dozens of albums and concerts and all this stuff. And so anyway, he was the, getting back tonight. We could, if you want to go into all that, we could, but he uh he was the musical director yeah or something of that show oh so was he, he okay so that was incredible that he would this was also early in the history of not many people really knew me at that point this was again it was maybe 80 i don't know what year 87 or 88 so 
early in my own having my own band and he invited my band to play on the show and our next mm. guest actually uh, started out on clarinet before finally settling on the guitar he's uh, gone on to become one of the most influential players on his instrument here's bill frizzell with uh, joey baron kermit driscoll and hank roberts the bill frizzell band and then there was Sting was there and Rufus <laughs> Thomas. I can't believe I got to sit next to, you know, they put, I had to have makeup put on and I'm sitting in a chair right next to Rufus <laughs> Thomas. Oh and man, what an experience. So we had a segment where he just let our band play. And, but then also there was a, I played with Sting. Oh, you did? did? a song, song with Sting and, this time where she's gone wonder if she's gonna stay in no sunshine when she's gone and this house just ain't no home anytime she goes away Sunshine when she's gone. So Hal was like a genius with putting so put people, people together. To, yeah, yeah, that was the oh, incredible. Nice. So if thing. you're a guest on the show and there's other guests, you're gonna play it. He's gonna kind of yeah, yeah, encourage you to get together and play. That's what I just I remember seeing that show once in a while. It was like, how is this possible? You would see yeah Pixies one night, and you'd see you know yeah, and John amazing Zorn or whatever yeah juxtaposition yeah. of things you know they had leonard cohen with sonny rollins or yeah just so great amazing stuff um you also did a record with petra hayden who i yeah. really, really love i love the record it was great how did you get involved with her well that's uh there's so many of these strands connections yeah. with people um so Paul, uh, same back, way back again, 1981, I met Paul Motion, the drummer, who right. it's another one of my long, just, he had been a, he still is a hero, you know, from, but 
long before I ever met him, actually when I was in high school, I went to a Charles Lloyd concert, one of my first jazz concerts. And Paul Motion was playing drums and Charles Lloyd saxophone and Keith Jarrett playing piano. And if you had told me at that time when I was in high school that some years later I would meet these people and they would actually call me and ask me to play with them, I never would have believed you. But so anyway, fast forward however many years after, I guess it's not even that many years, 69 I saw. Yeah, like, how is that possible? Only 12 years later, Paul calls me. (laughs) And so I, you know, I ended up playing with him for 30 years. And, but soon after I met him, he introduced, he was very close with Charlie Hayden, Petra's. That's what I was thinking. I was wondering if there was a connection with with her father. Yeah, so I I met Charlie and Mm -hmm. got to play with him a lot. And okay. And then when I met, I remember Petra came and Paul was always talking about Charlie's kids and um, three, he has three <laughs> yeah. daughters. I think they're all musicians. Yeah. yeah. Triplet, triplet, the triplets. Daughter. That's right. Yeah. And then his, their son, the son, Josh. And so Paul was always talking about even, I don't know when from as soon as I met Paul, he'd be talking about Charlie and his kids and blah, blah, blah. And I remember when, Petra came, I was living in Seattle at the time, and she came to play at this, it was called the OK Hotel, and we met, and I, it was like, just from that moment, it felt, it felt like this family, like I already, like I had already known her, just because I, I knew her father so well, and, and, and had heard so much about her. sensibilities really mesh too I think because she has this amazing way with the vocals these 17 part harmonies that she does (laughs) her violin playing and everything yeah it's incredible You obviously, you write and you compose a lot of music. What's your process like for writing? Is it improvisational? I mean, do you, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you come up with stuff when you're. You know, the mute, the playing guitar is, it's hard to describe how it works. It's, I think from the first moment I played the, when I played the clarinet, it was academic, you know, it's like, looking at learning to read and count the music and was all sort of very mathematical Mm. looking at this 
looking at the notes on the page and pushing down the right button. And that was the way that worked for me. But with the guitar, it was always about the freedom. And it was more coming from what I was hearing. You know, it, it was playing with other people and reacting. And there, of course, and then there was this much more improvisational thing going on. So that's the way that developed. I, what I'm getting at, when I write, I think it grew out of that. Mm -hmm. It's like you're trying to grab something from the air. It's like, right. like, and that's what I'm trying to do when I'm playing. You're, you're always sort of trying to be off the edge of what I understand and what I know. That that's right. I'm not really excited. Well, no, you have to you have to practice and you have to learn and you have to right do all the hard. But but the the most exciting, the most inspiring moments are when you're you take that leap off the edge of what you really know and you're not afraid to make a mistake and that you know that's when you're finding new things so when i'm writing that's what i'm i'm trying to get to that that same point but w when you're playing the guitar you're doing it in the moment and you, you have to just deal like oh you made a mistake but you better make it sound like you didn't make a mistake right. and you have to just you have to just keep going and you so when you're writing, the catch is that you're, it's everything sort of slowed down and you have that time to, you can judge yourself, right. which is dangerous. Right. You know, you can say, oh, that's not good or this. And so I've tried to learn to not, when I'm writing, I'm trying to let it just come out, just write it down. Don't stop thinking about whether it's good or bad right now you can figure that out that or that should be figured out later you have to just let it come out so are you writing down things on scores are you recording to 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 it's, compose are you it's doing more both? on paper oh, yeah just wow. okay. like old-fashioned with a pencil and hmm. i'm still not comfortable with the computer that's what's also been frustrating or during this time I, i'm sort of really forced into dealing with right a technology to, we yeah. have to use it or we're not going to ever talk to anybody we right talking now if i didn't have my ipad here right well you you're really good with effects pedals and all that stuff so i think <laughs> you yeah, can make the are, leap <laughs> i don't know it's it's a... some people are totally uh intimidated by those so you know <laughs> if you can figure those out you can do computer I'm stuff trying, but, but at the same time sometimes a computer just feels like it's getting in the way of what you really want to be doing which is just playing your instrument <laughs> yeah that's for sure you i've know. spent a lot of time you know, something that normally would just take a few minutes and I spend all day trying to figure out how to hook up some wires or get something.
I'll take a little detour here into film music. So you've done a lot of film music, you've composed for films, and a lot of your music has ended up in films, I think, because it's really cinematic. And um, how do you uh, how do you like that process as opposed to you know regular concert process? Yeah, I mean that's I learn a lot. I love doing that, and I there's something. Well, especially if it's something where someone is wants me for me, <laughs> I'm not good at, you know, uh, I, I've been really lucky with that where I, it has, I haven't done so much of it, but when I do, it's usually someone that knows my music and trusts me and knows what to expect. And so I feel like I can be free and be myself and in that way, it's it's super inspiring for me. It's you know it's restrictive in some ways because you're you're dealing with a form that's maybe already set, and you have to or you have to come up with something that uh, fits. Somebody. Yeah, so it it sometimes it'll push me in a direction that I wouldn't have normally gone in, and I'll learn something in that way. You've been collaborating with Bill Morrison lately, doing yeah, music yeah, with that's, him. those films. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, and that's sort of the best of every kind of world because there's no limits at all on it, and and actually a lot of the stuff with him, I, I feel like it's really a fifty-fifty, like the music, the film will influence me his film but also the music really it's circular right it goes back yeah. and informs the film a bit yeah and a lot of times i'll there'll be a piece of music and he'll just fit the the, the film, film to, to the, music. the music yeah so yeah so that, it goes back and forth <laughs> <laughs> you get off the well it also goes back to what you're saying about heat using you for you like this is your tone this is what you're going to sound like it's so unique like it's so distinctive you just know like when you're playing it sounds like you it doesn't sound like somebody else and um so if somebody wants that for their film they're going to get that and it's you don't have yeah. to try to be i don't know yeah that's what Ennio marconi or something i don't know somebody yeah <laughs> no right i mean i wouldn't mind being that too but <laughs> no yeah i just been i've been lucky in that way and, and with Bill it's been it's more like we're in the same band or something we actually we've done so much stuff together and you know we travel together and we right and then he can also it's he can edit and alter things that he's done super fast so yeah it can things can change from you know we've done tours together with my band and him with the film and you know he could even change things around as we're going along and stuff so, so that's a that's a really great collaboration so yeah getting back to your tone like so you're really versatile but I think about the signature tone. So like, were there guitar players 
not just you're like, oh, I love their haircut and they're cool and they're going to be in a band and I want to be in a band, but like that sound, how do I make that sound happen? Was there anybody like that that you heard? Well, yeah, then, it, then it gets almost impossible because yeah. I really, there's so many. It just, mm-hmm. starting all the way back from my first memories of getting fired up about it, yeah. I, I still go back and I hear those people now the ventures or yeah or the sounds that were on those like i don't know if you saw that film the wrecking crew yeah about all the love that yeah I saw and, it. and just all those guys like mm-hmm. realizing all the records that those guys played on mm-hmm. there's like this sound i mean i love those i'm thankful there's those films you know because it yeah you realize wow and you 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 actually see the I mean, when I was a kid. The room they played in yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's wild. And yeah. then it brings back the, just the sound of those records when I was right. a kid. And so I guess what I'm saying, I still go back and, and I'm inspired by those first things that I heard. But then as it things went along. Well, do you know the, the, the actual players and stuff? Well, I've, I I never the... did back then. They were just anonymous. Yeah, but, they were just anonymous, right? Yeah. But since then, I've so wild. tried to figure out who some of these guys are. I actually got to meet some of these guys. There's a, a Bob Bain guitar okay. player who he played like the Bonanza theme. Oh, yeah. You didn't you, didn't you cover that? Didn't you do that in one of your records? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And he he played like the very first time the song uh, Moon River was played. He's the guitar player wow. on Breakfast at Tiffany's, or he played on all Frank Sinatra's records, or wow. and Dennis Budimir, another guitar player from. So now let's be total nerds. What kind of guitar was he playing on, like Bonanza? Do you know? Well, he had a Telecaster. <laughs> he had a Telecaster. That makes sense. But. Yeah, sometimes I'm always I'm surprised at what you hear some of these sounds and you think I I imagine it being something other like the guy that played the James Bond theme, I forget. Oh yeah, darn. Art I always pictured it like some sort of space age looking fender guitar, but it was a big old arch top hollow oh, okay. body guitar, you know. Wow. And Interesting. I don't know. I think a lot of, when you asked about the pedals and what the, I think sometimes there's too much. I think the real sound comes from our imagination more yeah. than the, what the instrument is and what the pedals are and all that. It's like your mind is much more powerful. Oh, than, yeah, for sure. And, and, and it's also, it can be a definitely a crutch for a crappy player just to use a bunch <laughs> of effects, you know. <laughs> there's nothing good about that. Do you like to, I mean, you're, so much of your music's very like dreamy and kind of on a, on a more meditative vibe, but I know like, like with Naked City and stuff, you got really loud, you got really crazy. Things got loud and crazy. Do you, does that happen anymore? And is that something oh, you yeah. like to do? Yeah, yeah it, no, it happens every once in a while. Yeah.
don't know. I it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> music encompasses all this. You know, that's the thing. Amazing thing about it too is that you can be angry or happy or sad or loud or soft or whatever. It's like you can f- fight in it, you know, but nobody gets hurt. <laughs> That's great. So, so if you had an, if an effect pedal that would, would model the echo chamber of our current political scene, what would that sound like? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, wow. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> is there a so, song? Is there a sound? Yeah. That, well, that, what, what would it sound some like? Some sort of, I don't know. I, I, Infinite some, repeat <laughs> with no no end in sight. Yeah, some sort of clogged oh, toilet or something. <laughs> I know, right? It's tough. We're, uh, you know, we're, it's 20, it's 2020. It's, uh, it's September. Uh, we're really on the precipice of hopefully some positive change. That's my, yeah. on good days, I feel like it could get really good. <laughs> on bad days, yeah. pretty yeah, freaked out. It's hard to be, keep, you know, we got to stick together and be hopeful, you know. That's, yeah. again, like some of the musicians have helped me with that too. Like, I always talk about Sonny Rollins, the saxophone player who's, he just had his 90th birthday and I always think about him. I always look to him as a beacon of wisdom and he always seems to get things down to this essential. Sometimes these elders somehow know what to say, like try to bring things in closer to where we are right now. Like right now you and I are talking Mm -hmm. and this is good, right? Yeah communicating and this is a positive thing and hopefully we can't think too big you know right i know what you mean keep it it, to the moments that are positive all the little little building blocks of humanity that we are keep those positive keep our interactions yeah and just we gotta keep that together same thing i heard an interview with pete seeger very late in his life and the interviewer was trying to get him to, and this was just a few years ago, just not too long before he died. And the interviewer was saying, was trying to get him to say something like he said, man, all you've been through and all the work you've done and aren't you, and you know, I forget if it was something with, if Bush was in or some kind of thing, he was trying to get him to say something like, specific or political aren't you yeah aren't you pissed off because everything's so messed up or something and, and he just started talking he said no no i see you know i've just he was talking about right around where he lived and he saw that this positive thing had happened and this you know all he he just was focusing on what younger people had getting things together and mm-hmm. and staying more close to where there's that thing, John Lewis, you know, I just yeah. was this thing. He just, everybody's probably heard this by now, but that 
a quote from him. He said, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble. And, you know, I was thinking about him since he just passed away. And yeah. he spent his whole life. There's always going to be these ups and downs, you know, but we yeah. got to just, we can't. I mean, I know this is heavy now. It's it unbelievable is. heavy weight to yeah. try to not let it get us down. But somehow we got to. Yeah, we got to continue we got to survive and look at the positive things that, that happen. Yeah. And uh, hopefully things will get better. While we stand here, there are students in jail on trumped-up charges. Unless Tile 3 is put in this bill, there's nothing to protect the young children and old women who must face police jobs and fire hoses in the South while they engage in peaceful demonstrations. Your career is overwhelming i mean it's like it doesn't even fit like i don't think wikipedia has enough server space for like all the stuff you've done in your life no it's i've been really lucky and so i i i can't i mean i'm i'm relieved that i didn't have to when you said it was gonna be we were gonna talk about politics i i was worried i was gonna have to figure out a solution for the world's problems but i think you figured it out just gotta play some <laughs> nice beautiful guitar and breathe deeply but okay here's i'm throwing this one out of left field this might not resonate but you've been in new york for a long time did you ever like like run into donald trump no, no. <laughs> oh my god no okay that's no. good i'm glad to hear it he didn't come to uh the village vanguard or <laughs> he doesn't hang out down there no he doesn't i know um okay maybe no i, I don't think he he's I definitely not, not cool enough for that he's that's not his scene have you <laughs> i have but that's because i'm a camera i my day job is i did a lot of camera work for events hoity-toity events throughout town and i've I've, I've shot, shot Donald Trump wow. with a camera probably eight times or something. And every time wow. he's a complete dick and no, nobody likes him. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's my two cents. Wow. So it's not a real shock to me. Yeah. I followed him around the Plaza hotel with a camera once Oh my God. and, and, and Ivanka and Jared and all those characters were all there. And he, he was like a bad smell. Like everyone kind of kept away from him and no one really wanted to talk to him because he was creepy, oh really creepy. This is probably 10 years ago. <laughs> so it's no surprise. You get what you pay for. I mean, I feel like this, it's so depressing and it's so sick right now, the situation we're in. So let's just, let's try to be positive and let's, uh, let's elect Joe Biden and, you know, try to get Bernie Sanders and, and AOC and all those guys doing good stuff, give them a little power, see what they can do. Yeah. Just keep hoping we can. Yeah. Cause it is an opportunity to it's going to be a doozy of a ride. The next <laughs> yeah. few months. Yeah, but, no doubt. but no, it's, I we gotta maybe we can put things back right you know yeah not like it was a correction every, yeah it wasn't things weren't I mean we're paying for stuff we've 
that's been stored up for a long time right now. So maybe we can get it, fix it. You know? Yeah. How are we going to fix it? We need your solution right now, <laughs> oh, Bill <on>. Frizzell. <laughs> See, that's what I was, I better hang up quick. <laughs> no, it's okay. You don't have to tell us how to fix it. What do you have coming up as far as music? You're recording with John Zorn in a yeah. week. That's exciting. Actually, in a couple days, I'm playing at the Blue Note but not with an audience. Oh yeah. It's a live streaming, but it'll be yeah. in the in the in the space. Yeah. And That's I've great. done a couple of those at the Village Vanguard, which was so great. And you're doing Bang on a Can Marathon, I think in October. Yeah, yeah. And then so you've been you've been involved with Bang on a Can off and on throughout the years? Right? Well, not a whole I did a piece with them quite a number of years ago we did it it was the world financial center yeah i think i filmed it i used to be their cameraman oh. many years ago oh, so i did wow. see you that's right so you did that and I, and I guess you're playing october 18th at their marathon and i'm not sure what your lineup will be that'll be solo okay you know how are they however, doing that are they doing it from home like, or yeah yeah like it'll be as i guess a, a zoom, zoom concert zoom or something wow so Which always weird. makes me nervous. I know. <laughs> that well, means I have to get my setup all up and running. You know? It's been great meeting you, and I'm just a huge fan of your music. And so thank you for sharing with us. And no, thanks for doing this. And uh, continue making great music. And that that's a huge, to me, that's a really huge positive thing to do in the world, to be a musician and make people heal people's soul and body with with music i i truly do believe that it's a really yeah, important I, I do too and not not just i mean selfishly i love to play but i also just really believe that music is a it's medicine it's, yeah it's good we need yeah. it yeah so let's hope we all get out there face to face soon and get to be in rooms with lots of sweaty people again because i miss yeah. that <laughs> oh, all right well thank you so much you. for talking. This has been really fun and uh, best of luck with everything. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's good to meet you and I'll see you around. <laughs>
And please subscribe to my podcast on Apple iTunes or any other platform where you get podcasts. I'd also like to just finish off by saying the political situation in our country right now, September 2020, is really, really intense and really dire. As of this recording, the Republican Party is getting ready to steal another Supreme Court seat. And they are trying to suppress the vote, trying, doing everything to try to keep the corrupt administration in power. So what we can do to vote them out, there's a bunch of things we can do. Here are some things I'm doing. I'm uh, signed up to be a poll worker in New York. You can sign up at elections.ny.gov slash become poll worker. You can register your friends to vote. If you have any friends or new voters who have never voted before, you can get online quickly and register them right there online. You can go to voterreg.dmv.newyork.gov slash motor voter. That's a really quick and easy way to register people using their driver's license. Or you can write postcards to swing states and places that are highly contested and very important. I've written many, many postcards and will continue to do so up till the end. You can find out about that at postcards2voters.org. It's a really easy and effective process to write personal postcards to people. So those are some of the ways you can get involved. We have about another 40 days until the most important election of our lifetimes for sure. So get out there and vote. Let's fix this. And remember, there's a lot of races on the ballot, not just the presidential one. They're all really important. And even if you live in a state that's considered not really contested, like a very blue state, doesn't matter. We need a landslide. So every single vote counts. So get out there and vote. Thank you for listening. Peace Peace and love. love. See you soon. Au Au revoir.